We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Total Wine and More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities. Up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. The following podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be sent to DeSantisProd at gmail.com. With Bruce Buffer. And now, it's time for the voice of mixed martial arts. We are it's Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer. From the shores of Malibu, where the waves are pumping to the Great Wall of China and back to the streets of Moncton, Canada, where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show where we talk about what you think about but may be afraid to voice. Do not worry. We'll voice it for you. We talk about everything on It's Time. President Trump, politics. Total Wine and More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities. Up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. Film, TV, UFC, sex, drugs, rock and roll. As the saying goes, folks, it's no holes barred radio. And here we are with my co-host, TJ DeSantis. We're looking forward to a really good show. TJ, how are you? I'm good, Buff. I mean, after this past weekend, uh, how could I not be? Uh, you know, obviously, maybe a little bit of a black eye at the end of the night. But, uh, you know, if, if you turn the TV off, rate right as Conor McGregor taps, hell of a night. Hell of a UFC event. It was an amazing night. It was an historical night. A night that will be remembered in infamy for all the right and all the wrong reasons and the way it horrifically ended. Something that we're not all about when it comes to being martial artists, when it comes to what the UFC and the great sport of mixed martial arts about. But we're going to discuss this because we have our special guest coming on the show, who's a great one to talk about, sitting octagon side as I was that night when everything broke out. We have on UFC commentator and sports analyst John Anik. So let's save the talk between us and let's get John on and let's talk about what did occur Saturday night and why this is one of the most popular historical shows that will live in infamy and the reasons why it will. It's time! You asked for it, and you got it. At BruceBuffer.com Championship introductions at a special rate are now provided for all of you as a keepsake for life, like you are being introduced like a champion in the cage. Just go to BruceBuffer.com Specials for championship introductions, weddings, birthdays, voicemail, and business recordings. I'm here for you if you need me. Check me out. 
at brucebuffer.com. TJ, you know I love football, and you know ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice. You know, usually it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I honestly don't know who's going to win, but if you think you know, you got to check out mybookie.com. You know, I know that you may not know who you're betting on from week to week, but I do know for a fact you know who you're betting with, and that is my bookie. And if I've learned anything about you, Bruce, you don't endorse anything that you don't truly believe in. You've done your research, and for good reason. My bookie has stood out as uh, you know one of the best uh, sites out there to place your wagers with. Yeah, absolutely. You know they've been in business for years. They have great reviews online, which I checked out. And the, the, the key thing is, which is important to me, is their mobile site is easy to use because, let's face it, we all use our phones these days. I also heard, Bruce, that they have in-game betting as well. So it's not just the typical matchup, you know, Team A over Team B. There's props that come up. There's live betting. There's a lot of other options than just that typical, hey, I'm going to take so-and-so by whatever. Exactly. And when you go to my bookie, join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar, whatever you put in. Use the promo code buffer to activate the offer now remember when you do buffer it's all in capitals capital b-u-f-f-e-r so visit my bookie online today that's my bookie m-y-b-o-o-k-i-e and don't forget to use the promo code buffer in capitals when creating your account to claim the bonus hey if you play and you win what happens bruce you get paid and now on it's time radio we bring on my very special guest and i call him that because he's a special friend and he's also the ult mixed martial arts commentator in the business today. We have none other than John Anik, fresh off the chair at the side of the octagon at the peaceful, wonderful UFC 229 show, which we're about to discuss. Hi, John. My man, appreciate the intro. I don't know if I'm I'm fresh to death right now necessarily. I'm hurting, but uh, what a weekend, <laughs> man. I mean, just, just when you thought you'd seen it all, I submit to you UFC 229. Yeah, it's like, you know, I... I always say it's like we just did the greatest show ever, then the greatest show happens. I think we were on the road to one of those great shows, which it was a great show. It just culminated into a horrible ending, which we're going to discuss on the show today. Um, very affecting, John. Very affecting for me being in this business, uh, be 23 years come February. I'm sure very affecting to you. None of us, none of us expected this to happen. Although I will say that I noticed on the Internet, uh, Brendan Schaub actually made a prediction that something like this was going to happen, and that's why he wasn't going to go to the event. That was just something he had said. So we'll give him the soothsayer award for the week because he was definitely right on. John, when you were at the desk, yeah. and we'll discuss the fights, of course, but you know, obviously everybody wants to hear about what happened at the end. For those of you that, <clears throat> all of you that did watch and those of you that did not watch at the end of the Habib Nurmagomedov-Conor McGregor main event fight, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov happened to break out um, when he was not announced yet, not even announced yet, just one on, would you say was a neck crank or a rear naked choke, John? I think it was cranking. I, I, I can't say for sure that it was underneath the chin. It was a pretty quick tap. Pretty quick tap. And then when you think about it, uh, or when you, we watched it, excuse me, somebody, which I think was Dennis in McGregor's corner said, which something that I don't really care to say on the air that I read was said, and that just said, Nurmagomedov off where his switch just turned and he couldn't get back after being the cool, respectful cat that he's been all the way up to this point. John, when that happened, I mean, I, I know how I felt, you know, and I immediately ran up into the octagon as quick as I could to just try to help defuse as everybody else did. But what was your take, John? I mean, is that something like the least thing you expected ever to happen? Did it, did it cause you to take a breath to try and realize what was going on at that moment? 
Well, you always got to be ready. I didn't have time for emotions, though, right? Because I went from calling the biggest fight in UFC history to then calling the brawl. And I think subconsciously that was just how I was going to proceed until Zach Candido or Michael LaPlante got in my ear and said, hey, bucko, stop calling the brawl so we can figure out if we want to show it or not, right? I mean, there were a lot of different layers to it, and there are still a lot of different layers to it, right? I'm still processing things on Wednesday, and I turned down a lot of media requests early on right after it happened because I wanted to process those thoughts. So by the time I cracked the mic for my podcast on Monday, my thesis statement was, man, this could have been a whole lot worse. Like, I actually think that we're going to get through this. It's really not going to be that big of a deal. And maybe that is falling on some deaf ears and your audience thinks that's crazy. But UFC security, Las Vegas police, T-Mobile security, everybody did a great job. I think a lot of people were expectant that tempers could flare, even if it was just fans in the crowd. And because of the dolly throwing incident uh, back in April, I think everybody was on the ready and focused and they prevented this from being an absolute disaster. So now that we sit here on Wednesday, Buff, I think Habib, uh, I'm not sure if he would take it back necessarily. I think he wanted to make a point that there's things you can say and can't say. And, uh, we move on and, and hopefully for Habib's sake, he gets to realize a lot of that money and the suspension, you know, isn't any longer than six months. So what, what is your prediction or, you know, knowing what the commission can do? Um, I would venture to guess it'd be around a six month suspension. There's only so much that they can find because I, I read where somebody said they would hold his $2 million. They are holding the $2 million paycheck, but it doesn't mean he's not going to get his $2 million. I think there's certain limitations in the area of a quarter million or so that can be fined to him. Um, what do you think could happen? And do you think the attorney general is going to step in since Connor refused to press charges against the two fighters that were throwing punches uh, that Dana White has openly said will never fight in the UFC again? Uh, what's your prediction? What do you think is going to happen? Well, you know, you try to talk about this in the most efficient way, but right, there's so many different individuals and implications. Certainly the guys who weren't competing athletes on this night, um, I don't necessarily think they should compete in the UFC anymore. I mean, for Zubair to Hugab to jump the fence, and even though Connor threw the first punch at Zubair, Connor was in self-defense. He had just lost the mixed martial arts contest and he was in the octagon and people are coming in the octagon. He was at a point there of self-defense and protecting himself. In terms of the punishments, you know, the 2010 brawl in Nashville with Mayhem Miller and the Diaz brothers and the Scrap Pack and everybody else, you know, the, the fines were not big. You know, they were $20,000 fines that I think at some point got reduced to 5,000 or 7,500. Maybe they'll make an example of Khabib because of the magnitude of the moment, this being the biggest fight in UFC history on paper. Uh, but I, man, I hope they don't dock him more than 20 or 25% of those, that $2 million. I will say he's going to make a, a, a Brinks truck full on pay-per-view though. I mean, when the pay-per-view buys are all tallied, he came in as the champion with a very good pay-per-view buy rate and all that. So he's going to do just fine. But I just, I don't know, man, I think with some time removed from it, I just feel like he's established so much goodwill with me, with everybody else in the promotion. He's such a respectful, classy, intelligent guy that I just feel like if anybody deserves a pardon, call me crazy, but it's him. And what about the possibility of stripping him of the belt? Do you think that could happen? No, and I think Dana has distanced himself from those comments. Good. And people think I'm such a shill buff, but for UFC president Dana White to have to answer questions for 90 minutes without all the information on Saturday night, you know, and people banging on everybody involved in this situation, but for Dana, right? he's having to answer all these questions without having the benefit of gathering the information, you know? So um, I think that Habib will remain the undisputed lightweight champion and, and hopefully uh, 
some of the real dire possibilities that we heard on fight night, like visas being not issued and things like that uh, are not going to be the truth. And he'll be able to resume his career. And this will be something that we all learn from. I mean, there's only one guy buff. It was the one usher who couldn't corral Habib, right? But everybody else was in a position to, you know, minimize the damage and they did that. So uh, I, I think that you're going to find that this prevents people from doing this in the future because everybody's going to be uh, on red alert. I hope so. And also I'm going to give Dana a lot of credit because when Dana did get in the octagon, reading the situation through the decades of experience that he's had, even beyond being in the UFC, as far as the fight game and how to handle brawls and what can happen in these situations with a packed audience and a packed crowd and a crowd that's, you know, one side for Habib, the other side, the Irish in town for Connor. Um, he didn't want us to announce with them in the octagon because we would have been pelted. Just like when you saw Habib walk out, as soon as he got to the tunnel, he was pelted with beer and everything else or whatever they were throwing at him. This was a big concern of Dana's, and that's why Dana thought it best for Khabib to be removed and to leave the octagon as well as Connor. And I caused me to do something that I have never done in my 25 years of announcing 23 in the UFC is that I stood there by myself without a referee and one fighter, which has happened when, when other fighters left, but I stood there without a referee and either fighter literally alone, probably getting the most camera time I've ever had in a likely period of time in a UFC show announcing the winner by myself, which was kind of a dramatic, uh, a staple in my career, but weird. It was a weird feeling at that point. Dude, I see. And I was told that you asked them to clear the octagon because you wanted the spotlight on the biggest night in UFC history. See all the misinformation that's out there. <laughs> I'm totally you know me better um, than that. I will that's for say, sure. though, Khabib, and you know, I'm just busting your balls because I love you, but Khabib was ready for the fight after the fight, right? He was right up in Connor's face. Then he diverted his attention to Dylan Dennis, right? He was ready to go. And even when Dana said to him, you're going to get pelted with beer bottles and everything else. If I give you your belt right now, Habib said, I am ready for this, right? I mean, what a fucking legend. I'm ready for this. So for Habib, he's like, I'll take all of you on, right? I just beat Connor. I smashed your guy as I said I was going to do. Now, Dylan Dennis, would you like some? And is there any other Irishman or anybody else in the crowd that would like some right now? Because I'm 27 and 0 and I like my chances against dozens of you right here, right now. So, and I thought his team was ready to go, you know, so I just think that, you know, maybe we shouldn't have been those of us that were a little bit surprised that this spilled over in this setting. Maybe we shouldn't have been totally surprised, but it would seem to me like one way or another, there was going to be some sort of confrontation and uh, it played out the way it did. Well, you know, again, it was a horrific way to end a great night in respect to what happened, but I got to give a couple of one kudo to Habib. That man can jump. I think that jump, once he got over the fence from the octagon feet first into Danis, was about a good 10-foot leap. And I saw this one picture. Um, let's say that Habib's definitely in shape. I'm not trying to be funny here but because it should never have happened. But the man was at that point not concerned for anything other, including his own safety or anything that happened. I believe that his light switch went off and he couldn't turn it back. Yeah. No doubt about it. And you're right. He was in the shape of his life. I mean, I'll take it a step further. That was the best shape I've seen him in. And even though in the third round, I now I can say I, I wrongfully suggested it, that his body language suggested it was as fatigued as he'd ever been. I was surprised to see him mouth open trading punches with Conor McGregor. But obviously he got a second wind or whatever you want to call it and uh, finished the show as he usually does. And give credit to Conor. And again, I'm not trying to give credit where credit's due, but I'm just crediting in my statement Connor just fought three rounds. Um, 
very, very, you know, obviously gassed at that point with all the damage and everything he was taking and that he was giving at the same time. And then he's a tough nut. I mean, he must have got hit by the one guy in the red shirt. He got hit at least three solid times by him, two or one or two to the back of the head, which is a cowardly move. And then the other gentleman came, not gentleman, listen to me. The other fighter came up and punched him very square in the body, at least two body shots, Connor defending the whole time. Uh, you put yourself in that position. You just, and when you're in these kind of fights, like a barroom brawl, you never know where the punches are going to come from. And it's just such a shame that it had to happen in the greatest yeah. proving ground ever, which is the octagon. Well, and I mean, you talk about different narratives. Could you imagine if Conor McGregor had landed the left-hand flush and knocked one of these guys out cold, right? Then all of a yeah. sudden that becomes a huge cornerstone of the narrative. So we could spend the entire show on this, right? It's like there's so many layers that we haven't, even talked about, you know, but uh, it's in the rearview mirror now. And, and as the great Bill Belichick would say, it is on to New York City, November 3rd. And by the way, as we're on the air today, breaking news, it shall be done. John Jones, Alexander Gustafson, two official for UFC 232, December 29th. So we move on. The train keeps going, BB. The train does keep going, and that's a great fight. I can't wait for that fight. I know everybody out there can't wait for that fight. So much entertainment to come in. Let's talk about the true entertainment. Let's get away from the horrific ending, which I'm going to say, as I, I have to say on the show, all our listeners internationally watching or listening, bottom line, this is not who we are. This is not what the UFC is all about. Your commentary, Joe Rogan's commentary, Dom's commentary during the situation that happened was right on. It was horrific. It shouldn't have happened. It can't be condoned. It is not what the UFC and the great sport of mixed martial arts and being a great martial artist is all about. I just have to say that. That's not what we're about. And I know oh, you're going to... Oh, for sure. Yeah, and, for sure. Well, and I think the reason why it hit some of us particularly hard, at least that night, uh, without time to reflect was because there were that many eyeballs on it. It was, I, it, I did get sort of a, a Mayweather McGregor feel. I know a lot of people said they didn't feel that, but at least in my life from the people I don't hear from, um, they wouldn't shut up about Habib and McGregor. So with that many eyeballs on it, uh, there are just a lot of questions to answer that you wouldn't like to answer. I mean, I'm not even going to say the person who I think very highly of who texted me, uh, any chance that was staged, right? I mean, I wanted to delete the fucking guy's number from my phone because, you know, was that like, so we're still answering questions in 2018. Yeah, man, Dana thought it'd be good if Khabib went full eagle and, and picked a fight with a Bellator fighter in the stands, you fucking idiot, you know? You know um, I, so, yes, I mean, you can hear me getting mad. Uh, it, it's, it is what it is. But no, I got uh, mad. It could have been lowers. I got mad too, John, because I can't tell you how many people called me, text me, in person, asked me just what you just said. Is that stage? I'm sorry. Come on. This is not, we are not WWE. This is not staged by any standards whatsoever. You know, it was a shame. We had a celebrity filled audience, which, you know, along with all the great fans, to me, everybody's a celebrity in the audience because they're there watching us. And thank God they watch us, which pays our paychecks, fuels this fire of this great sport and our great UFC. And thank you to the fans for that. But along with the fans, there was the governor, there was a congressman, it was Matt Damon, Chris Pratt, Megan Fox. Anthony Kiedis, everybody, you know, so many people in there and they got to be rushed out, you know, with their wives and everything rushed away to safety. I don't know if there's going to be any of the lawsuits that are going to fly out of this because if you're in the first row back there, you can imagine some attorney could be calling saying, hey, we got to we got to something we can do here make some money. I mean, who knows what yeah. the repercussions are going to be because of this. Right. So let's just like Belichick said, let's move on. 
we've got to move on to the next show. We've got Canada. We've got great shows coming up. But let's talk about the great fights, okay? This card was loaded. And I give credit from the first fight, from Ryan LaFlair and Tony Martin, all the way up to what to me was the fight of the night with Ferguson and Pettis leading into the main event. But when that card took off with Michelle Waterson and Felice Herrig, awesome fight. Derek Lewis, John, when he dropped his shorts, Joe and I are looking at each other, acting like, oh, what's happening here? <laughs> what's going on? You know? Oh, dude, I, I get so much stuff going on. I didn't even notice, man. I thought that was this fight kid until Joe pointed it out. That tells you where my head was at. But, uh, man, that fight was crazy. The car was crazy. I, my big takeaway in the Black Beast fight is when you think about all the livelihoods on the Alexander Volkov side that are affected by his decision with a minute to go to engage Lewis instead of getting on a bicycle to preserve what would have been an easy win on the scorecards. It's crazy. When you, and TJ can attest to this, when you go to these events and you talk to coaches after the fact, it was all in front of Alexander Volkov. And now here we are a few days removed and Derek Lewis, you know, pulls the rabbit out of the hat, so to speak. I'm not trying to sell him short, but gets the knockout. He's fighting Daniel Cormier in 25 days. I mean, it's just, yeah, there's always another side to this. And for me, it was hard, at least on fight night, while everybody was talking about the Black Beast. I'm thinking, man, it was all in front of Volkov. All he had to do was just run around the octagon like I can run. Uh, but it is what it is. And uh, Derek Lewis is the man of the moment, obviously. Well, I'm sure he'll be doing hopefully an hour of cardio a day leading up to the 25 days from now. Fight he huh. has. And, you know, let's give him credit. I'm, I'm happy. I hope he makes a bundle of money fighting DC. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, he deserves it. He's a fan favorite. Um, one of the funniest guys we know, speaking for all of us, as far as I say in the sport, um, you never know what's going to come out of Derek's mouth. But the matchup between DC and Derek, this is going to be a true test for DC in respect to the fact of fighting a very large man. But most people don't realize that when DC steps in there, he's also going to be like 245 pounds. So there's not going to be that big of a difference between the two of them, other than maybe a size differential, you know, uh, height. Well, the Black Beast weighs. 300 pounds right now and he has 35 pounds to lose you know dc will get himself in cardio shape i talked to him last night he's ready to go um you know obviously he's getting paid he's excited uh i think this does probably close the book on him ever competing at light heavyweight and that's something that anybody close to him family or friend is celebrating that dc will not have to make that cut anymore at 39 years old uh, but yeah, what an opportunity for Derek Lewis. And I remember being in Brazil early on in Derek Lewis's career when he won a bonus and I was walking back to the hotel and I saw his coach, Bob Perez talking on the cell phone about, you know, Derek believing in himself and getting a bonus and how that was just going to help them so much. And look at him now, man, you know, I don't know what his guaranteed purse is going to be for this fight, but yeah, we'll see what he can do. I think the one thing that he's got to hang his hat on is the fact that he's not getting a full training camp Daniel Cormier. I mean, say what you want about Vulcan Uzdemir or Anthony Rumble Johnson and those wins for D.C., um, but D.C. had a full camp, you know, and here he is, you know, he was just with his kid in Las Vegas, right? So all mm-hmm. of a sudden for D.C., the time is crunched as well. I mean, he didn't just fight. Uh, he's not, you know, on medical suspension from a mixed martial arts fight right now, but I don't know, man. I thought the betting line was wider than I thought it would be just given the fact that things came together so quickly. Absolutely. Now, stepping on to the next fight quickly, Ovince St. Preux has probably fought more often than almost any other fighter in the UFC roster over the last couple of years. Seems like every other show I'm turning around and announcing Ovince St. Preux and good for him. Right. Uh, but Dominic Reyes, uh, this is a dominant light heavyweight coming up in the organization. And I think we're going to see a lot from this man, especially after taking down Ovince St. Preux. 
Yeah, I mean, I would put his athleticism and his fight IQ up there with most of the guys in the top 10. And he's very aware of where he is at relative to the guys in the top five and relative to his own combat sports experience. He he got a late start, and he's certainly making up for lost time, but he has good people in his ear, Joe Stevenson, chief of them, and he's really starting to put it all together. You know, I think those were valuable 15 minutes for him. I, I think any time early on in the UFC career that you can get minutes against an established guy is, is almost more productive than, you know, a quick knockout, and, and certainly Reyes has had plenty of those in the UFC. So, you know, there are these guys are light heavyweight, guys like Tyson Pedro and Reyes and others that are coming up. I think the public opinion really differs as to which guy is going to take that requisite next step. But uh, I think he could do worse than, than Ben on Reyes to be that guy to emerge from from the talented pack of, of light heavyweights. I agree. And now the fight of the night, one of the fights of the year, a fight that showed oh. the skill and athleticism and endurance and heart that anybody could expect out of anybody is the Tony Ferguson-Anthony Pettis fight. You know, that was amazing. Yeah. I mean, my, my analysis on Tony Ferguson is just like, I'm a fan. Like that dude is the man. Like, I don't know what else to give you. If I'm a human being, he's a different species. You know what I mean? I just, and I think Michael Bisping and other guys have that gear that when they get, when they absorb concussive damage, Uh they recover in less than a full second because they go to that gear that most of us don't have. It's sheer will, all heart, supreme focus, knowing that you're that you don't have your wits about you, but you absolutely have to stay in the moment and in the fight. And then look what he does, man. You know, and obviously we all have a lot of respect for Sean Pettis and defeat. And I think that actually his better days could still be ahead of him, believe it or not. But Tony Ferguson, man, look at the body of work. 14-1 in the UFC. First guy with a double-digit winning streak at 155 pounds. First guy I can think of other than, well, I'll say that he's the first guy I can think of who has never fought for an undisputed title that is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, the, the body of work is unquestionable. Once he adds a signature win to it, um, he'll be the man. I agree. I agree fully. Yeah, you're, you're saving me a lot of talk here, John. Your words are perfect. I love it. So now we, huh. go into the, <laughs> we go into the main event, which we already discussed. We saw the fight. Connor was beat very dominantly in this fight. Um, Khabib, dangerous suspension. I hear Connor might also be suspended. Is that true? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, I think anything I would give you would just be speculation, but I don't think he'll be suspended, right? I mean, he he did get involved, but in a reactionary way. You know, he was sitting on the canvas after taking the loss, and all indications were that he was going to handle that defeat humbly because that's exactly what he's done every other time he's lost in the UFC. So uh, I I would be surprised if if too much in the form of punishment comes Connor's way when when all the dust settles. And I'm with you on that. So now... The one thing, though, is that if Habib is suspended, which he most probably will be for however length of time, Connor wants to fight Habib. That's not going to happen in the immediate future. So do you see Connor and Ferguson going at it? No, not necessarily. I, I don't know that that fight has had the appeal for Conor McGregor that other fights would have had. And I think for Tony Ferguson, with respect to Connor, far and away the biggest draw we have ever had and will ever have. Tony Ferguson should only fight for the undisputed lightweight title. There's no other fight for Tony Ferguson at this point in time. And I don't know if he subscribes to that theory, but I'd be very surprised if Tony, you know, that he, he was unceremoniously and undeservedly stripped, right. According to almost everybody of his interim title. 
And then look what he just did against Anthony Showtime Pettis on the same night that Habib did what he did, right? So I, Tony's got to fight for the undisputed title. I think hopefully Habib can get back quickly. As far as Conor McGregor is concerned, I think he just feels he has bigger fish to fry, whether it's trying to uh, to get George St. Pierre to come out of retirement again or if it's to try to pursue a trilogy with Nate Diaz or, you know, box Pauli Malignaggi or Manny Pat. Who knows? But I just I'm not sure Ferguson's getting that fight, even though I would certainly sit down and watch it. All right, so let's just touch on something you just said. Obviously, we'd all love, I'm going to speak for everybody, we'd all love to see Conor fight GSP. I think that'd be a mega fight. We'd all love to see the trilogy with Nate Diaz be a mega fight. Um, there's also another one in the in the wings that's coming out again, hopefully soon, is Anderson Silva. It'd be a very entertaining fight. But the question is, is Conor fighting for a belt or is Conor fighting for the most prestigious money-making fights possible? Now, his manager comes out, Adi Attar, recently and said, we still have eyes on Mayweather number two. Well, Mayweather's going to fight Pacquiao. Okay, that's his next right. boxing event. So I don't see that happening. And I, and I don't mean to, to poo-poo it or anything, but I'm not interested in seeing Mayweather and Conor McGregor box again. I'm interested oh, in seeing I'm Conor not. McGregor. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah, I'm not interested really in seeing Conor McGregor box, period. I'd rather see him do a second spicy, crispy chicken sandwich Burger King commercial. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I like I, I and you know what? And I think Conor, as he walked out and said, home sweet home, I think he wants back in the octagon. I think he, he is a true mixed martial artist, despite maybe not being the league leader in heart. Uh, but I believe that Conor McGregor wants to be in the UFC, and there are a lot of competitive action fights in the top 15 and in the top 10. And I just think, too, like, there seems to be a lot of criticism, and Ray Longo just destroying Conor on my podcast. I thought he went a little bit too far, just in terms of Conor the fighter, right? Like there's oh, I, most I'm sorry, I haven't listened to your podcast yet this week because I just got back myself and I'm going to. I can't wait to hear Ray go off because I love the way Ray talks, but you're saying he went a little too far? Well, it's just at least for me in terms of denigrating McGregor the fighter, right? Got and it. I probably should have said, why don't you why don't you get your guy ally Quinta in there and fight Conor McGregor and we'll see, you know, how competitive that fight is. Because I guess my, what I'm saying, Buff, in a long-winded way is that I still believe Conor McGregor matches up favorably to most of the guys in the top 10 and I think would be the betting favorite against almost anybody else at 155 pounds other than Khabib. So let's not completely tear down the mixed martial arts fighter who came back against the guy who was far and away the toughest matchup for him in the division. Gotcha. Okay. Again, I'm with you. The brilliant John Attic. We're talking about brilliant in the fact that he sees what he sees. He commentates about what he sees, but his opinion and his knowledge is expertise. So listen to him, folks. This is the man talking right now. We've talked about MMA. We've got more UFC coming up. We're all amped. That night, I think, was very draining for all of us, John, for more reasons than mm. one, because the buildup was just huge. It was just huge. But we got through it. Uh, now we got to, like you said, I love the Belichick line. So speaking of Belichick, let's take a little switch over here to the NFL. Then we're going to let you go. Okay. Um, what's going on with my Eagles and your Pats. Okay, the Pats came back to themselves this weekend. My Eagles have only covered uh, the spread once in five weeks, if I'm not mistaken. I have my top four games of this week, which I'd like to share with you. But how are you feeling about the Pats and everything going on this season so far? Well, well, first I will say about your Philadelphia Eagles at two and three, they, in a very tough NFC, better be careful uh, because they got a quick turn here tomorrow night against the New York Giants, and I wouldn't be right. surprised if the Giants won that game at home. Mm -hmm. So 
Philadelphia's got some work to do. I think Carson Wentz is only going to get better as the season goes along. As for the Patriots, I still don't think this is their best outfit. I mean, they don't try to peak in October, so I think we're all confident that in the weaker conference, which is the AFC, that they'll be one of the last few teams standing. But I do think Kansas City is the class of the AFC right now. And, of course, Sunday night the Patriots will have a chance to prove me wrong, as they so often do. Uh, but, hey, man, you know, it's a coach's league, and we always have the best head coach, and we've got the greatest quarterback of all time. So uh, there's always a chance, my man. And I think that the, the way they responded from the one and two start, obviously, is pretty encouraging. So uh, I would also say for T.J. DeSantis' Minnesota Vikings, if you do like them, Now's the time to bet them because they're a little bit down, at least in terms of the start that they got off to. But right. I think a lot of people still believe they're the class of the NFC right there with the Rams. And at 2-2-1, two, two, and one, uh, you're going to get a good price on Minnesota to come out of the NFC. They're not, yeah, my, they're, they're, they're not mine until they're in the <laughs> NFC Championship. Yeah, right. that's just, he so stated that many guy, times. <laughs> yeah, okay. right. Uh, All right, so now here's the thing. Um, I love watching the Cleveland Browns. Because I'm a yeah. Are you gonna give me your five picks before? I mean, you got to give me your five picks. But yes, I'm with you on the Browns. Yeah, here's my four picks: Cleveland Browns plus one this weekend against the Los Angeles. Against the LA Chargers. Hate it. Philadelphia Eagles to cover the spread against New York. They're minus two point five. I like that win by a field goal. They got to come out and dominate. They got to change around and show that they're ready to be Super Bowl ready for another chance at the Super Bowl. And they've got to win this game to do that, in my opinion. Uh, Los, An- Los Angeles Rams, we've been covering every spread. They did not cover last week. I feel they're going to come out very strong against the Don- Denver Broncos at Denver, which is always difficult due to the altitude issues and everything else. But I just think last week was a learning lesson for the Rams, who have been nothing but ramming through teams. And it's time to reorganize and get ready for Sunday and beat Denver on the road. I'm going to go with Kansas City. I know you're not going to like me on this, but I'm going to go with Kansas City plus three and a half points at the New England Patriots at the Patriots home field. I think Kansas City is looking to me to be the finest team in football right now is what I'm what I'm seeing. Yeah, when I submit my super contest five later this week, Kansas City, as long as that number is still three and a half, will absolutely be in there. I, again, I don't think this is the greatest New England team they've had in the last five years, certainly. And uh, I'll be on the Kansas City side. we got to figure out some sort of best for this Eagles-Giants game. Give me the two points or the two and a half points. And, I mean, we don't need to do a tattoo, but we could do something. Let's do it right now. We're on the air. What do you want? That's what I'm that's what I'm talking. What do you want to bet? Well, you give me the Giants plus two or two and a half. Well, I'm gonna do two and a half so that we're guaranteed to get a winner and no pushes. All right, let's do two and a half. We'll do a gentleman's bet of fifty dollars. How's that? That's not, why don't we do a hundred dollars to make it a little bit more interesting? My man, John, you got it, baby. You could have said a thousand. You know I'm gonna say yes, but a hundred dollars. I know, John, I know. Yeah. Hey, you you got your bank rolls a lot fatter than mine. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, I, if I'm I got three kids downstairs too, if I'm not mistaken. So you got three kids, um, but let's face it, you're betting about ten baseball game com- combination of baseball games and football games. You're on the action every day, John. I'm just on Sundays and Thursdays, Sundays and Thursdays and Mondays. <laughs> yeah, no, I got a real problem. I mean, but for me, it's volume, right? It's not big amounts, yeah, but yes, right. uh, way too many bets. Yes, pays off. All right, when am I going to see you next? I'm going to see you where? I will see you in New York City. For Daniel Cormier and Derek Lewis, the race to the scale is on. Then one of us will have a nice little Chris Benjamin for the other. $100 bet, New York Giants, plus two and a half for John Anik. Philadelphia Eagles, let's minus two and a half. Let's go. For, let's go. Let's go. Why not? It's done. You got it, John. Let's go, Big Blue. All right, buddy. All right. Um, 
with that being said, John, anything else? Tell us about your podcast. Tell everybody how they can find your podcast. We've got a really growing audience here, and I want to throw as many listeners because your show's great. Tell them where to go. Well, that's very kind of you. Uh, hopefully, it'll be a TJ DeSantis production again at some point. You just never know. But you can find it wherever podcasts are, are sold or ingested for free. We would never charge you for this content. It's not that good. Anakin Florian Podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, FoxSports.com. Uh, on YouTube every week. We got video now if you want to look at Kempo's hair and his beard and everything else. So uh, <laughs> it's good, man. You know, we're coming up on 175 episodes. And uh, obviously, this last one was one of our bigger ones. So I appreciate uh, the plug. That's wonderful. And everybody, you can follow John Anik on Instagram at John under slash Anik, correct? That is correct, my man. There you go. You know what? I got. Literally, and this isn't a lot for some people, but it's the most. Since Saturday night, I've had almost 40,000 new Instagram followers because I guess, you know, whatever the furor that was created, just like TJ, I think you had a run on your Twitter. And I'm sure, John, you had a run, too. I mean, it's just a lot of eyeballs were on the scene on Saturday night. That's for sure. Good for you, Buff. Good for you. Uh, Yeah, it's fun. I don't know if it makes me any money, but, you know, who knows? We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) All right, John, listen, get back to business. Love you, brother. Great to see you. I'll see you soon. I'll talk to you before I see you, or maybe I'll call you on Sunday just to, like, you know, press the press the button a little bit. Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. I I will not screen your call. Thank you, boys, for having me on. <laughs> Always a pleasure. All right, John. Take care. Have a great day. See you, bud. Thanks. You, too. You don't get it better than when you hear John Anik talk, give his opinion, give his analysis, because that's what he's paid the big bucks for. A real pleasure to have him on the show. I think we gave enough information to our listeners out there around the world. Let's go into some news. It's time to rant and rave and just, I got some interesting subjects here, actually, TJ. Uh, one thing that deserves to be mentioned, we talk about passings on the show. I think there was a passing that deserves attention um, with condolences being sent out to his family and loved ones, but George Taliaferro, who was the first African-American ever to be drafted in the NFL draft pick, mm. uh, died at the age of 91 years old this week. Wow. So I, 91 yeah. years old. That's a, 91 that's, years old. That's a hell yep. of a run. Uh, truly a, a role model in his own life, which I always appreciate. And uh, he was drafted by the Chicago Bears in 1949. Uh, just, just awesome. Played for the New York Yanks, as they call them back then, the Dallas Texans, the Baltimore Colts, and the Philadelphia Eagles. So, so out of all those piece, teams, only one is still the city in the same name. Well, here's another thing. Uh, George Taliaferro was not only the first African-American drafted in the NFL, he was also the NFL's league's second African-American quarterback of no all the quarterbacks that played. Yeah, it's a very interesting background. So my best wish and condolences go out to his family. Thank you, uh, George, for everything you did in your great career. Um, you probably also heard here, too, the Ryder Cup, yeah. which is golf. Mm-hmm. A spectator was hit by a golf ball, TJ, uh, in the last week and lost his eye. That, uh... His eyesight. Lost his eyesight. Excuse me. Uh, you wonder. I've often wondered because, you know, those balls can hurt. There's no sure. question. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a little surprised from a golf ball. Uh, did, did, do you know if the spectator, like, actually lost the eye was there physical damage to the eye or were they hit on that the head in a way that they lost vision and, and maybe it could come back do you know the extent of the injury what the report is claiming is that uh she says that she's been blind in her left eye or left excuse me she says left blind left blind in one eye after she was hit by a wayward ball it does not designate as i read here where she was hit 
Mm. Oh, wait. Uh, she traveled from Egypt. Scans have revealed a fractured right eye socket, so she okay. was hit in the eye, right. and an explosion Ugh. of the eyeball. The eyeball exploded. She didn't feel any pain until she was hit. She felt like the ball struck her eye, and then she felt the blood start to pour out of her oh eye. My eyeball God. Oh, God, that's horrible. Yeah, uh, something similar happened to a friend of mine. Um, not him personally, but a, a friend in their family uh, took a foul ball at a baseball game to the eye, and they ended up losing their eye. Um you know, wow. it's one of those situations. Golf, it's a little bit easier, I would think, to to be safe because, you know, more often than not, those golfers are not hitting balls into uh, the crowd. Um, and, and when they do, they're usually, you know, lofted in a manner that it's not like, like I said, like a baseball where it's coming off the bat, you know, 150 miles an hour. Um, golf balls generally, you know, like, I mean, if I'm playing golf, look out, Okay. I might I might hit one, you know, at somebody or something really fast. But pro golfers, especially, you know, playing in the Ryder Cup, a prestigious uh, golf event, one of the most prestigious golf events uh, between Europe and, and the United States. Uh, that's that's kind of crazy to hear about something like that. But, you know, bottom line, when you go to sporting events, no matter what they are, uh, pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. Anything can happen, you know. Um and I've often thought about this. I hate seeing it, but let's just face it. It can happen. All right. Next up, Dunkin' Donuts. You ever go to Dunkin' Donuts, TJ? Uh, you know, they're not predominantly featured out here on the West Coast. Um, I see them when I travel. I know there are some here. There's way more now in, in California than there were a few years ago. But, uh, I mean, I've the only time I've really ever went to a Dunkin' is uh, when in an airport. All right. Well, I mean, they've been around forever. I'm not a donut guy. You know, I eat very healthy. I'm, you know, I want everybody to enjoy their donuts. I, I do have I a don't weakness. Think, I don't think people even go to Dunkin' for donuts anymore, to be honest with you. Well, that's what happened now. Dunkin' Donuts is now changing the name. They're dropping it, and they're only going to be called Dunkin'. Okay. They're, drop, they're dropping donuts for the name, uh, the makeover on this very long-standing company. Uh, beverages, especially coffee, make up for 60% of the yeah. company's sales. So now they're going to focus on being a beverage-led company, which for those of you listening, when you go to McDonald's, when you go to the movie theater, when you go to Dunkin' Donuts, when you're buying the popcorn and you're buying the burgers, you're buying the donuts, the money that's made in these organizations at the counter is the beverages. That's where the biggest profit is, and right. that's where they're going to be focusing on. They make, I mean, that, that Coke that you pay at, Five dollars for a theater, as an example. Oh, it's yeah. Five dollars. It probably cost them ten cents. It, it, you know, it, depending on, uh, you know, volume. I, I believe that fountain sodas are roughly a, a penny or a little more than that an ounce, like a penny and a half an ounce. There you go. Ten ounce cup, ten cents. Right. There you go. So that's where the money comes in. So it's no longer Dunkin' Donuts. It's Dunkin'. So we'll leave it at that. Now we'll go into another company here, Coca-Cola. Years ago, in the early years, Coca-Cola actually did have cocaine, the drug cocaine in the, in the, in the Coca-Cola. Right. That's an old fact from a long time ago. Obviously, they stopped that. But now, Corona, who owns Coca-Cola, the Corona Brewer, they've invested $4 billion in a marijuana company because Coke may make a move into cannabis-infused drinks. That's, you know, we've talked about the CBD and uh, how they're going into different products, but now you have one of the biggest companies in the world that's actually thinking of coming out with a drink. We just talked about a beer that was going to have CBD in it a few shows ago. Right. Well, never know what's going to happen. Well, now they're going to take that tune, too. I wouldn't be surprised if Coca-Cola, the company, does uh, a drink like that. I doubt we're going to see 
the Coca-Cola brand name on a beverage that has cannabis, but never say never. Never say never. We don't know. I mean, who knows where this is going? Canada in about eight days is about to legalize marijuana through the entire country. We know what's going on here in the United States. We know the movement, which you and I both agree with, uh, to legalize marijuana and also the growth of the CBD industry, which is not active THC in the product, but it has so many beneficial uh, medicinal standpoints. Oh, yeah. so people it's, from Alzheimer's, depression, pain. Right. It's pain. the best anti-inflammatory yeah. you can get, honestly. Incredible. It is incredible. Ask me, have I used a CBD? Yeah, I have, you know. Well, why uh, wouldn't for, you? I mean, yeah, at this point, not? it's just a supplement. You know what I mean? It's not, I mean, it's not a drug. There's no high to it. There's nothing. There's just nothing. Uh, benefits. Do you know what I find it for, TJ? What's that? When I'm on the road or I've had a long day of work before I go to bed, it helps mm. me sleep very smoothly. Very, very smoothly. Sure. Do you so, do uh, Do you do drops? Is that what you do? Yes. You do drops because there's no... There's no limitation or toxic level of CBD. Right, you yep. can put as much as you want. You're, it's like B12. You can yep. fill your body with B12, you'll pee it out. Um, so that's the safety factor here. And uh, I you know, often talk about my friend's mother who suffered from MS. She couldn't walk, started using CBDs, could walk again. It's like, oh, my God, you're healed. So more power to him. We'll see where the benefits come. You know, we talk about shark attacks on the show. Right. And they're rare. But in the last week, there have been two that have been very publicized. Um, a man died off of Cape Cod a couple weeks ago or within the last couple weeks, an attack uh, that occurred. Uh, Cape Cod area, Martha's Vineyard area, was actually where the original book, Jaws, yep. if I'm not mistaken, was based on uh, due to a shark attack that happened there a long time ago, which they made into the story that fueled the book. We have a boy 13 years old that was supposedly attacked. He was going lobster fishing. He was down on the bottom lobster fishing, uh, in I think 11 feet of water, and he was attacked by a 10 or 11 foot, uh, what estimated to be, if I'm not mistaken, great white shark. Luckily, wow. he did not die. He had numerous bites over his back. The lifeguards were on top of it. His fellow divers were on top of it. Um, he sustained traumatic injuries to his upper torso. But at this point, from what I understand, he's expected to recovery after ongoing surgery. Um, very handsome young man is, you know, just the whole life ahead of him. So I hope everything goes well with that. Uh, the shark attacked him from the clavicle on his back. Mm. Uh, so the entire, his entire back was open. Oh my uh, God. Yeah. And also cut part of his cheek. So my best goes out to him for full recovery. Uh, people, I've been a surfer since I was 15. We talk about it on the show. Your chance of getting attacked by a shark or attacked by killer bees and all these, you know, legends out there. Yes. Can it happen? Of course it can happen, sure. but it's far and far and few between as far as I'm concerned, my time's up, my time's up. Enjoy the ocean. It's beautiful, but be smart. If you see signs that say sharks, if you see signs that say, do not swim, do not swim. Okay. Right. It's that simple. Very easy. There's a city in Brazil called Recife, right? They have the signs all over because it's full of these. One of the most aggressive sharks in the world is a bull shark, mm. right? It's full of them. They still have shark attacks that occasionally happen because people don't watch the signs. And as soon as they walk in, it's like you're almost guaranteed you're going to get hit. Right. You're not a you swimmer. Know? You're bait at this point. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. So with that, falling into another thing, um, they always find new species. Not always. Excuse me. It always mind boggles when they do find new species. They just found um, what is considered to be the Earth's largest land animal. What? A 26,000 pound dinosaur. Oh, I thought you were going to say Derek Lewis. I'm like, we've known about him for a long time. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, they found that this dinosaur probably lived uh, about 200 million years ago when humans were around. 
Uh, they figure weighed 26,000 pounds, which is double the size of a large African ele uh, elephant. Um, it's amazing how they come to all these, you know, calculations and conclusions. But I find this, I find this fascinating. That still in this day and age, they're still making new discoveries like that. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's amazing what we learn and, you know, with fossils and things like that, uh, you know, the, the, the discoveries just keep on going. I mean, there, there's a lot of, uh, species that are alive and breathing still, Bruce, that are living, you know, in the world today that we still haven't even, uh, figured out, you know, the, the different varieties of, and, and different species of, of certain, you know, bugs and microorganisms and things like that. So, uh, it, while while it is shocking, it's still in a roundabout way doesn't surprise you because we still know so little. I mean, we're talking about you know sharks and whatnot. We still know so little about the the deep depths of the ocean and what sort of creatures and beings live down there at the 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 darkest depths. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, speaking of which, these these situations, they I'm going to go over into some collectibles. But uh, the collectible talk is going to relate kind of to what we're saying because on this first story, a 22 pound rock that has been used to prop open a door in Michigan for decades. Mm -hmm. Okay, turned out to be a meteorite. Oh my God. That is now valued at $100,000. That's an it's expensive doorstop. Expensive doorstop. This Michigan man had this for 30 years in his possession. Yeah. Right? So they had it tested. It's made of 88.5% iron and 11.5% nickel. Uh huh. But it weighs 22 pounds. It's the sixth largest recorded uh, find in Michigan. And the potential value is a hundred thousand dollars or more. That that's crazy. And you know this isn't the only one of its kind. There there. And by that I mean there are a lot of things that people have lying around the house that have been passed down from generation to generation, and maybe they don't really know what the actual value is. And all of a sudden, it just becomes a doorstop. Mm -hmm. But it's it's one of the most you know expensive things uh, that they own. I mean, something sort of similar happened uh, with my family. Um, we didn't think about it. We knew it was probably worth money, but we had my great grandfather's uh, acoustic guitar, and, and obviously it was a, an antique. But we didn't really think about it. It was just you know my great grandfather's acoustic guitar. Uh, turns out it was a 1918 Martin and uh, was worth a ton of money. And uh, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, someone in the family very foolishly sold it for like a, a fraction of what it was worth. But oh, uh, neither seriously? here nor there. Yeah. Uh, one, one thing, though, I think about kind of on the same story is, is this meteorite. Um, my parents, my, my dad found this perfectly round rock, like perfectly round rock. Looks like slightly smaller than a baseball, but it is perfectly round. And he just found it in a gravel pit and it sits in one of my mother's plants. I would love to go get that thing tested and figure out, you know, what caused it to be that round. Is it something more than just a perfectly round rock because it, it, it sure doesn't just seem like it's a natural phenomenon, but who knows? And like I said, it just sits in a planter. Well, I think this story, your story and, uh, the possibility of other stories that are out there, you know, you see something weird folks go and get it checked out. Here's another situation that occurred that blows me away. An eight year old girl. All right. In Sweden. Now she's now been dubbed the queen of Sweden. And the reason why last week, she was outside and, you know, in the water throwing sticks and stones and stuff to see how far they could skip. Now, remember, she's eight years old. Right. She found some kind of stick. She picks it up and she was going to drop back in the water, but it had a handle and she saw it was pointy on the end and rusty. Right. So she holds it up and goes, Daddy, I found a sword. So when he saw it, it's all bent and rusty. He comes running up. He takes it. So it turns out 
that she discovered a 1,500-year-old Viking, pre-Viking what? era sword in the Swedish lake. Oh, my God. Yeah. And he, you know, her, her father probably just ran over to make sure they didn't get tetanus or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what, what kind of garbage are you picking up? That's that's insane. Yep. Well, nor, uh, there has since been where archaeologists now have since searched the lake again. They found a prehistoric brooch from around the same period. Uh, <laughs> I, they, I thought they, I thought you were going to say they found a Prius. I'm like, that's not, <laughs> that's not very old, Bruce. <laughs> Well, they feel the area was actually a grave site. Right. Not, yeah, not for sense. sacrifice, but that's why there's probably a lot of stuff there. Right. That's you know, pretty phenomenal. I, I, I love hearing these things when they happen. Now, big sales here. Um, the, the most expensive bottle of whiskey. No, it's not uh, uh, Conor McGregor's, uh, what is it called? Fancy uh, 12 or whatever it's called. Proper, pro, proper, proper 12. Or? Proper, proper 12, which yeah. I had a taste of. Uh, some fans were walking by me when I was at dinner with friends after the show, and they put a bottle on the table that had about one glass of the of the proper 12 whiskey in it. So I went ahead and tasted it straight up and it's, 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 it tastes like an early young scotch or right. whiskey rather, because mm -hmm. it's not aged yet, but Connor's on her way to something. You can make a lot of money out of this aging the barrels, depending how sales are going and right, everything yeah. else. Uh, so more power to him. I hope it does well for him. But in this case, uh, this bottle of whiskey, uh, fetched $1.1 million wow. at auction. It's a winning bid for a 60-year-old 60 60 year Macallan Valerio Adami, um, which was made by a private collector from Asia. Look at that. The winning bid. Excuse me. The winning bid for the 60-year-old Macallan um, was made by a private collector from Asia, not even putting out his name. $1.1 million for a bottle. I'm looking at the bottle. It's very handsome. I, sure. Like a, lot, like a lot of collectibles, you can't figure out why the $1.1 million, but again, it's supply and demand, whatever the case might be, but it goes to show you things are worth money. Now, another thing that's going up to the auction block, a Heisman Trophy, right, uh -huh. which is being auctioned off now. It was a 1937 Heisman Trophy won by Yale's Clint Frank. So it's at Heritage Auctions, which is very popular. It is a lot of these things. The 25-pound award is the third one that was ever given out. They expect it to fetch over $400,000. Wow. Yeah, $400,000. That's bananas. Well, speaking of another $400,000, Joe DiMaggio's signed World Series jersey uh -huh. is also expected to sell for $400,000, the jersey. Dang. Yep. And Will Chamberlain's rookie card just sold at auction. Uh, now, I used to have one of these cards. This is a uh, mint. Is this going to uh, hurt, grade. Bruce? Are you, are you going to tell me something that hurts right now? No, no, because mine, what, mine, mine at best was a PSA maybe four. Okay. And there's a big difference. It's a PSA nine. All right. But still, it was worth when I had it 20 years ago. It was worth $1,500. I don't know what it's worth now. This card just sold for $60,000. 60? 60. Oh, God. Paid over, over $60,000 for it. And I do have two unopened packs in my museum uh, area. Time to open which, them. I can't. I pay. I pay. I mean, they're, they're, as packs alone, they're worth close to a couple grand to go up. But it could have a Will Chamberlain in there for sixty have, grand. Yes. Yes, it could. Yes, it could. Buff, I know you got to open them. I know the temptations there. It could. I'm Brian and I are talking about it. You know, we're actually thinking about opening one of them. Brian Come on, has Buff. You gotta, you gotta open it. We gotta do it on the show. We gotta have Brian back on the show. <laughs> we gotta do it on the program. Let me think about it because I love these unopened wax packs. As you know, I talk about them all the time as being one of the best investments you're possibly gonna have. So yeah, but I mean, you open it up and you find a sixty grand uh, card there. Uh, we're we're going for dinner. 
A lot of dinners, my man. Yeah. Steak and lobster, baby. Yeah. Surf and turf. It's all right there. Yeah. I, I don't think. You know what? Maybe when the someone named TJ DeSantis finally comes over to Buffer Manor to say hi, I'd love to have dinner and I, see your. I told you before well, the end of the year. Before the end right. of the year, it's going to happen. Maybe, maybe, maybe then we'll have a special film situation for the show. All right. Okay. All right. So we'll see what's up. All right, TJ. Um, I have been inundated since the fight Saturday night with requests for. Uh, videos and, and uh, audio recording specialized the whole bit. I guess everybody's on their UFC Fury. I want to be introduced like a champion, but at least 10 or more of the orders are for newborn babies and weddings. So again, thank you, everybody. We're working on all those this week. We'll have them all done at the end of this week, but there's a lot coming in. So it may take me till next week, but keep them coming in. If you're interested in your personalized introduction as a champion, like as if I was introducing you in the octagon, if you're interested in commemorating the birth of your baby, uh, a birthday, wedding, private business affairs, whatever, just go to brucebuffer.com. Brucebuffer.com, send your request in. And, of course, none other than the beautiful, wonderful Kristen will be the one to answer you with information and fees and how all that can get done. So thanks very much, everybody. I enjoy the heck out of doing these for you, as you know. TJ, is there anything you want to tell the audience before we go? No, that's pretty much it. Uh, I'm happy to uh, talk about some stuff this week that wasn't completely Conor McGregor and Habib Nurmagomedov, but... Uh, that looks like it's going to be the landscape in the future of MMA for uh, many months to come, and and for good reason. Excited to hear the news uh, that we talked about with with John about uh, Alexander Gustafson and John Jones. That's exciting. DC and Derek Lewis. Uh, you know, we had this huge event in mixed martial arts this past weekend, but uh, obviously some really great things still to happen on the UFC's calendar before the end of the year. Absolutely, right on, perfect. All right, TJ, I'm going to sign off. You're good. I'm all good, Buff. All right. Well, I will talk to you next week. Let's have a really cool guest on the show next week. We had a lot to talk about. Always good to have John Anik on the show. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. Treat everybody around you with respect. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Be a role model to your sphere of influence. Set your goals. Write them down. Learn about them before you set on that path. And when you do set on that path, just be the best you can be and do the best job you can do. Because if you're doing that, then you're winning in life, no matter what other wins you get from the results and the efforts you put forth. Good luck, everybody. Buffer out. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to DeSantisProd at gmail.com. Total Wine & More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities. Up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. Total Wine & More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities. Up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply.